Looks like the rain kept a lot of folks away. At least I assume that's what it was. But you all are here. Made it on through. We just have to remember it could be snow. <laughs> Rick Renner posted a video up on his uh, his uh, ministry page. And he had him going to church in the morning. It was real cold. You could see his breath and all kinds of snow out there. And he's talking about how gorgeous and pretty it was and all that. I'm thinking, dear Lord, glory to God, no snow on the ground here. It's just rain. <laughs> oh, my. We're going to be in a number of different places in the Word here this morning, but we're going to start over in Mark chapter 11 again. There was a fifth grade boy who heard a sermon on the persistence in prayer and was praying to himself in his room one night all by himself, but his dad passed by the door and he heard the boy praying over and over and over and over. Tokyo. 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 Well, his, you know, I got his dad's curiosity up. And so the next day he asked his dad at the breakfast, he asked his son at the breakfast table, he says, what were you praying about last night? I heard outside your room you kept saying Tokyo, Tokyo, Tokyo. He said, well, dad, we had a test in school that day and and uh, I answered a question wrong, so I was praying that God would make Tokyo the capital of Mexico. <laughs> well, there, sometimes we do some things in prayer that <laughs> we, we can laugh at later on. But we want to find out what the Word of God has us to do in prayer and what the Word of God has us do as we speak to our situations, our mountains. In Mark chapter 11, verse 22, Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God, for surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. We looked at it last week. What, what about those times when I speak to something and it doesn't come about? So we went over the, uh, the outline of this. Have faith in God. Speak a specific defined path. Believe what you say. Don't doubt in your heart and you will have whatever you say. We then took a look at two examples. Uh, the first one being Peter. How Jesus told him that you will, you'll deny me. You all deny me. And Peter spoke up and said, No, nah, not me. Everybody else may be, but not me. I'll even die for you. And so Jesus gave him a specific word and says, You'll deny me three times before the rooster crows. And of course, he denied it again. So why is it that he spoke the thing, believed the thing, and it didn't happen? Israel went up and after the, God said, All right, you're not going to go into the promised land. You're all going to wander around the wilderness for 40 years. And they said, No, no, no. Now we're going to go up. Now we're ready. We will go and possess the land. But they didn't possess the land. They died in the battle. So we looked at why is it that sometimes we can speak things like this and it doesn't work. And we looked at the things that were in there. We, we called the last two weeks the overrides principles. But we saw that the two common, the, the common components between these two stories, Peter and Israel, was first off, they both had hard hearts. They were resistant to the truth of the word. There was a denial of, of facts, faults, and weaknesses in themselves. They were doubting of God's power and promises. And then truth is not always positive, but it's better to know and act. We're going to elaborate on this part here a little bit more as we go on. We want to know what is the difference between flesh faith and spirit faith. Because a lot of people are doing things in their flesh and calling it faith and not getting the spiritual results they want. We made reference to... Uh, Brother Fred Price's teaching that he did, faith, foolishness, or presumption. And if any of you went out there and tried to find some of those things, I think you'll probably find some similar teaching in that area as far as a flesh faith is, is concerned. But the faith of God is of the Spirit and not of the flesh. And the first thing that we saw in the 
Mark chapter 11 passage is have faith in God. Or as the margin says, have the God kind of faith. The faith of God is of the Spirit. It is not of the flesh. If we want to have the faith of God, then we have to have faith that is of the Spirit, not faith that is of the flesh. So we want to take a look through the Word, because of course the Word of God, we believe, first off, it may teach, it will teach us a doctrine, and then it also shows us people that we can look to for the example. Too often people are believing doctrines that are not demonstrated in the Word of God. And you've got to be careful with that. But we'll go over flesh faith first. What is flesh faith? What do we mean when we say flesh faith? First off, flesh faith, I focus on what I have done. A person who has faith that is of the flesh, if you ask them, why have you gotten a thing yet? Has it, has it worked? Uh, is the bill paid? Is this done? If any of that occurs, the things that come out of their mouth are, well, I prayed. Well, I did this. Well, I've been reading the Word every day. I've been going to church every single day. Been listening to tapes. Been reading books. What are we focusing on? What I've done. As soon as your faith focuses on what you have done, just rest assured, it is flesh faith. Flesh faith won't get you very far. We have to get out of flesh faith. And it's real tough to because whenever we don't see something working, what is it that we want to do? We want to find out what's wrong. But most people, now the examples we looked at the last couple of weeks, most people who want to figure out what's wrong are resistant to the truth. They're resistant to the Word. They have a hard heart. If you try and tell them, it's not right here, you need to change this, as soon as you say, you need to, hard. Because as soon as you say, you need to do this, no, I have. What do they focus on? There are distinct differences between flesh faith and spirit faith. And you'll be very easy to be able to tell which one you're in. Here's an example we're going to look at in, in, in Genesis chapter 31. And you can read the whole chapter. We're going to skip around a little bit in this. But in Genesis 31 verse 4, this is talking about Jacob and his father-in-law. So Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah to the field to his flock and said to them, I see your father's countenance that is not favorable toward me as before. But the God of my father has been with me. And you know that with all my might, I have served your father. Yet your father has deceived me and changed my wages ten times. But God did not allow him to hurt me. If he said thus, the speckled shall be your wages and all the flocks bore speckled. And if he said thus, the streak shall be your wages and all the flocks bore streak. So God has taken away the livestock of your father and given them to me. Now, the, there's tension in the verses before we see there's tension between his father-in-law and him. And so as soon as we see that there is tension, as soon as we see that there's a problem, the thing that we kick into is what I have done that's right. As soon as you kick into that mode, you are in flesh mode. Because the focus is on you. As soon as you kick into it. Doesn't even matter if it's good for a good reason. Does Jacob have good reason to focus on himself here? I mean, he's been abused a bit in here. But God still blessed him. Didn't God bless him? God blessed his flocks and God blessed all sorts of stuff. But this has been 20 years now. And what's his focus on? Well, I did this and I was faithful. And that shouldn't have happened. And it was going to be this way, but then he changed it. Everyone's acting against me. And I'm doing everything that's right. That's a wrong attitude. Now, it works out okay in this chapter for Jacob. 
But he's got a wrong attitude and it, it is still one of the things that's hindering him. He's, he's not quite to the place that God wants him to be. He's still Jacob. Who's God want him to be? Israel. But he's not. He's Jacob. God wants to get him out of that. Just like God got, a, got Abraham out of being Abram. And got him into being Abraham. Verse 26. And Laban said, this is after he picked up all his flocks and they all left and they got out of there. What have you done that you have stolen away unknown to me and carried my, away my daughters like captives taken with a sword? He had been gone three days before, before his father-in-law even noticed he was gone. That's how much st- space was between the two of them. Why did you flee away secretly and steal away from me and not tell me? For I might have sent you away with joy and song, with timbrel and harp. You think he would have done it? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> but see, uh, as, as much as Jacob is in the flesh, his father-in-law is even more so in the flesh. He's just a flesh creature there. I don't even know if he's born again. And see, he's probably not going to do that. But see, flesh people will always point to the good that they would have done, could have done, but you didn't give them the opportunity. It's all your fault. Flesh people, it's always somebody else's fault. No matter what. If you're in the flesh, it's always somebody else's fault. If you're in the flesh dealing with God, it's God's fault. If you're in the flesh, in the church, it's the other people's fault. It's just how it is. Well, no, you don't know my situation. Yeah, there you are, right there. Now, you see, Jesus, when He's dealing with the Pharisees, does He blame them? Does He ever pull His disciples aside and say, you know, we could really be... We could have taken over this country with the gospel if only it wasn't for the Pharisees. They just keep abusing me and, and hindering me. And, but he doesn't do that. If only the people would have done this. He doesn't do that either. If he comes to a place and the people aren't, aren't going to accept it, he just goes on. Well, could have been great here. I'll go on over here. I'm okay. Verse 28, And you did not allow me to kiss my sons and my daughters. Now you have done foolishly in so doing. It is in my power to do you harm, but the God of your father spoke to me last night, saying, Be careful that you speak to Jacob neither good nor bad. Now this is curious. If you're God and you come up to to, to Laban, would you say, Be careful not to speak harshly to the man? Or would you say, be careful not to speak good or bad? Why does that happen? Now, it's repeated twice. First off, we have it in the verses before that we skipped over. They got approached Laban and said, do not speak to him, either good or bad. And so Laban is, is actually saying exactly what God told him. I'm not to speak to you either good or bad. Apparently, God doesn't have too much respect over Laban's words. And he says, I don't want you to say a word. I want you to basically say goodbye and get out. Don't you say nothing. So he's going to do it, but he's going to let people know, I'm not supposed, I would, <laughs> but I'm not supposed to. So I'll, I'll go ahead. But you deserve it. And I ought to be able to do it, but you know, God said I can't do it, so I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that then. We'll let that go. And now you have surely gone because you, you greatly long for your father's house, but why did you steal my gods? Then Jacob answered and said to Laban, Because I was afraid, for I said, Perhaps you would take your daughters from me by force. With whomever you find your gods, do not let them live. In the presence of our brethren, identify what I have of yours and take it with you. For Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen them. 
Jump on down to verse 36. And Jacob was angry. This is after he went through all the stuff. Everybody's stuff, everybody's camp, everybody's tent, and um, didn't find anything. It's an interesting story if you want to go back and read it all. Then Jacob was angry after he went through and didn't find anything. Made the search, didn't find anything, and rebuked Laban. And Jacob answered and said to Laban, What is my trespass? What is my sin? that you have so hotly pursued me. Although you have searched all my things, what part of your household things have you found? So he set it here before my brethren and your brethren, that they may judge between us both. These twenty years I have been with you. Your ewes and your female goats have not miscarried their young, and I have not eaten the rams of your flock. That which was torn by beast I did not bring to you. I bore the loss of it. You required it from my hand, whether stolen by day or stolen by night. There I was in the day the drought consumed me and the frost by night and my sleep departed from my eyes. Oh, can you hear this? <laughs> oh, for 20 years I served you. If, I, if a beast came and ate something, I made sure it was one of mine. Then I replaced it. I sat out there in the heat of the day, just as dry as can be. No Coke machine nearby. In the nighttime, oh, it was cold. It was so cold, but I stayed out there and I watched over your flocks and I watched over my flocks. And because I was there, everything was through, which is hunky-dory for your household and everything was good for mine. Because I was there. Because I endured the cold. Because I endured the heat. Because I endured the dryness. Can you hear all this? He's been going on this for 20 years and don't think this is the first time he's thought of this. When he's sitting out there in the cold, what do you think he's thinking about? Laban's back there in the house. Here I am taking care of his flocks. He's changed my wages all these times. He's probably talking it over with God too. God, look what he did. Look what he did. He just focused it on this stuff. You just don't get, you get yourself in the flesh, you focus on this stuff. Now it's not right that Laban did these things. And God will take care of it. But don't focus on it. Don't focus on what others have done to you. If you do, it's going to hurt you. It's, it's going to hurt you. Don't focus on it. Get it out of your head. Let it go. Thus I have been in your house 20 years. I served you 14 years for your two daughters and six years for your flock. And you have changed my wages 10 times. Unless the God of my father, the God of Abraham and the fear of Isaac had been with me, surely now you would have sent me away empty-handed. God has seen my affliction and the labor of my hands and rebuked you last night. And Laban answered and said to Jacob, These daughters are my daughters. <laughs> He's worked for 14 years for him and he says they're my daughters. They're not yours. And these children, they're my children. You may have raised them. You may have fed them. You may have provided for them, but they're mine. And this flock, everything you see, it's mine. All that you see, everything here, look around. It's all, it's all mine. It's mine. <laughs> but what can I do this day to these my daughters? or to their children whom they have borne. Now therefore, come, let us make a covenant, you and I, and let it be a witness between you and me. How many of y'all want to get a covenant going on with this guy? <laughs> it's like, get away and leave me alone. you got two flesh people who just aggravate each other's flesh. And that's where they're, they're at. But what's their focus? What I've done, what I've lost, what I've given up. That is a sign of the flesh. If what comes out of our mouth is what I have done. If we go to God in prayer, God, I have, I've been in church every Sunday. I've been in church every Wednesday night. I've been listening to tapes in between. I've been praying every day. I've been reading your word. I've been witnessing to people. I've been speaking this. 
I've been saying this. I've been believing this. I've been encouraging other... If we keep going over all the list of all the stuff that we've done, and it's all good stuff to do. Don't get me wrong that it's, you know, it's good stuff to be doing that. But your focus is on what you have done, which is an anchor and is keeping you in the flesh. As long as you focus on what you have done. Now, I'm not saying stop doing those things. How many of y'all know it's good to be in church on Sunday morning? It's good to be in church on Wednesday night. It's good to listen to tapes in between. It's great to have a good confession. It's great to keep your belief in the right area. It's good to be speaking after the things that you need to, to speak out. It's all good. That's all great stuff. But if your focus is on, this ought to do something for God to move Him on my behalf, you've, you've missed it. You're doing it to win something over. And you've gone from faith that receives to faith that's working. You're, you have faith that's working for something. Oh, I got to try. Maybe if I confess this enough times. Maybe if I go to church a few more times. Maybe if I listen to a few more tapes. Maybe if I read a few more books. Then I'll, then God will take notice of me. First Samuel, verse 29, verse 8. David and Achish. This is after David had gone over to the Philistines and uh, was uh, over there because Saul was chasing him. And so he went out on raids. And but on his raids, he went against the enemies of Israel, not against Israel itself. But Achish thought he was going against Israel. And so now they're going into the big battle with Israel and David wants to go with Achish. I don't know why David wants to go with Achish into this battle, but for some reason he wants to go with them. And uh, the, the lords of the Philistines all rose up and said, you know what, David is not going to go because in the midst of the battle he's going to turn on us and he's going to side with the house of Israel and we're going to have a problem. He, he can't go. He needs to stay here. So Achish reluctantly went over to David and he said, you can't go. You have to stay here. And so David said to Achish, but what have I done? And to this day, what have you found in your servant as long as I have been with you that I may not go and fight against the enemies of my Lord the King? What's his focus? As soon as anyone finds a fault in what you're doing, be it God or be it someone else, how many of y'all know we want to immediately go to what we did that was right? That's, that just seems to be our natural way of doing things, isn't it? Right or wrong, that just seems to be what it is. The flesh focuses on what I have done. That's its focus. Because it's flesh. What did you do? And we go over in our mind, I didn't deserve that. That shouldn't have happened. Why are they doing this? Look at what I have done. Look at what I have endured. Don't they realize? Don't they see? Don't they appreciate? These are the kind of thoughts that come in. When you're in these kind of thoughts, folks, you are in the flesh. You don't have to have anybody ask you or, or wonder or do any. You are in the flesh. That's one thing that we do. Then we focus on some other stuff. How I have done it correctly. We look at what we've done, but after that, we don't stop there. We look at what we've done and how right it was. How good it was. How many? This is the flesh. I not only look at how I did it, but then I look at how well I did it. <laughs> right? How many of y'all know you get a fight with your spouse? A battle rises up. How many of you begin to immediately think of all the things you've done for your spouse in the last day or two? And then you don't stop right there. Don't you think about how well you did those particular things? Because <laughs> that's flesh. That's what we do. Elijah, in 1 Kings 19, you know the story? 
He got discouraged, ran for his life. God gave him some food. He went running on off from there, came into the cave. He's over there in the cave and he has this to say to God. Because God had said, what are you doing here, Elijah? So he says, I have been very zealous for the Lord, God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left and they seek to take my life. What's he saying? Look at what I have done and look at how well I have done it and no one else is doing anything close. This is flesh. Look at what I've done. Look at how well I have done it. In fact, you know what, God? There's no one else who's doing anything close to this. Look at what look at what I've done. You are lucky to have me on the team. You better start taking care of me, because if you don't start taking care of me, I'm leaving. I'll go some find some other team. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Now God didn't have a whole lot of good stuff to say about this. He asked him a couple of times, he repeated it ver- verbatim. And God finally said at the end, he said, all right, you're going to go out here, going to anoint some people to do some things. And he said, besides that, I've got 7,000 people out there ready to take your place. You want me to go get one? Him and Adam. God comes to him, what have you done? Have you eaten from the tree? What's Adam say? <sighs> what to me, man? I mean, I'm, I'm here, I'm doing my job, I'm doing it well. And then this woman... That you gave me. I didn't ask for it. You gave it to me. And she. <laughs> isn't what we do? We get into the flesh folks. We look at what we did. And we look at how well we did it. And we hold that over God's head. Look at what I've done. Look at how well I've done it. And then we go into the third area. Look at how much I have endured. What's Elijah going over in this whole thing? He is talking about what I have done. He is talking about how I have done it well. And he's talking about how much I have endured. For the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword. I am alone and left and they seek to take my life. They seek to take my life. Oh, how much I've endured. Oh, Father God, you, you, you just... I've been working so hard for you. I've been so zealous for you. And they just keep coming after me and I don't see you do nothing. Because when you get right down to it, is Elijah not mad at God? Look at all I've done for God and how are you letting this happen for me? He's in the flesh. Now, if Elijah can get in the flesh, if Elijah can get in the flesh, don't you think you can? If Elijah... One of the two people who shows up with Jesus on the transfiguration. Moses and Elijah and Jesus show up. Two people. He's one of the ones who's going to come back to show up before Christ comes for a second coming. He's one of the guys. He's one of the witnesses. If this guy can get in the flesh. How about you? But you see, if anybody comes around and points it out to you, if God starts pointing it out to you in your spirit... Oh, but God, look what I've done. Look at how well I did it. Look at what I've endured all this time. Haven't we gone over that? What is it? It's flesh. It's flesh. Look at how much I've endured. And here's the fourth one. How God has been coming up short. <laughs> is this not flesh? Isn't this what we do? Isn't this a natural cycle of things? 
If I go into prayer and I'm in the flesh, I first off tell God, God, this is what I've been doing. Here's how well I've been doing it. Here's what I have endured in the process, just in case you've missed it. This is what I've been going through. And beside that, you haven't been doing so hot yourself. I mean, you could have come through better for me over here. And you didn't come through with me over here. And I've been, I've been praying. I've been speaking. I've been believing. I don't see no action on your part. But look at what I've been doing. I've been out there. I've endured. It's flesh talking. You think you're going to get anything from God on that? <laughs> you're going to get something. <laughs> yeah, you're going to get something. Woo. Oh, man, we were listening to Brother Keith one time. He was talking about people who call up his office to ask him to go to different places uh, to, to schedule him. And, uh, and you know, sometimes he's just busy. He can't go. And so they sometimes tell him, you know, uh, we're not able to schedule that in the time that you want. Uh, maybe down the road we'll be able to do that. The schedule will open up or we'll be able to do some things. And they, they tell him that. And he says some, some people, pastors, ministers, begin to ream out their, his secretary, his, uh, his uh, people who are coordinating, begin to ream them out. And he told us in the, in the thing, you know, a couple of times we'll get on there. He says, do you think that by you hollering at my staff, that I'm going to come? <laughs> and really, when you think about it, <laughs> would you want to go there? <laughs> no. But some, this is what we do with God. We get in the flesh. Flesh, folks, is ugly. It's ugly. You may not be able to tell when you're in it, but it's ugly. And these are the things that we do. Israel. How many times did Israel talk about God, how God came up short? Well, God, you've been kind of short on food. We've been, you know, having had a whole lot of food. God, you've been coming up short on the water end. God, you've been kind of coming up short on the protection end because we've got these enemies over here and these ones over here. And uh, you know those garlics and leeks and things we used to have? We have none. Coming up short in that area too. And, you know, we had higher expectations of you, God. When we came out of Egypt, we had higher expectations, but you're just not meeting them. Isn't that what Israel's saying to them all that time? Yeah, but John chapter 11, verse 21. Martha. This is talking about when, when Martha and, you know, they lost their brother. Brother died. Here's what Martha says. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would have not have, not have died. What's he saying? You came up short. If you would have got here sooner, he wouldn't have died. I mean, come on, I thought we were your favorites. Every time you come over here, we're always putting out the meal, open up the house, we have the meetings at the house. We feed you. We give you a place to stay. We never ask for anything. We never ask. You know, we never charged you rent. But we always had a place. You never had to pay anything. We never charged anything. Even when you brought friends over. Remember when you brought that whole group of sinners? We put up with them. We let them come into the house. And we fed them. And we didn't ask for nothing. And then our brother gets sick. And you don't come? <laughs> What's Martha saying, folks? Now, all we have, we have it here is that, she, that Jesus came up short. But can you not hear all the rest of it? Look at what we've done for you, Jesus. Is there anyone in this town who's been more faithful to you than Mary, Martha, Lazarus? Anyone? We just need this one thing. We just needed you to get here a few days earlier. No, you're too busy. Hanging out by the well. 
This is flesh. Flesh faith has natural tendencies. Flesh faith has natural tendencies. What I see, what I hear, what I feel. What I see, hear, and feel. That's what it focuses on. It has natural tendencies. What I see, hear, feel. Those are the things. Flesh faith is natural. It's based on what I see, what I hear, and what I feel. There's faith in it. Folks, there is flesh faith is real. There is a faith that is of the flesh. And it's real. Jesus even talked about it. We talked about it with Thomas. Thomas, now you believe because you see. What kind of faith is that? Flesh faith. Because it's based on what I see, what I hear, what I, what I feel. Blessed are those who do not see and yet believe. What's he saying? Blessed are those who have a faith based on something else. Not a faith based on what you see, feel, or, or, or hear. It's all from the natural realm. Flesh faith has natural tendencies. It's going to be based on stuff from the natural realm. All right, now we've, we covered flesh faith. We can all see ourselves in flesh faith, can't we? At some point in our life, hopefully not yesterday, but at some point in our life, we can see ourselves in the flesh faith area. But let's get into the spirit faith area. In the spirit faith area, we focus on what Jesus has done, not what I have done. That is a huge difference. I focus on what Jesus has done, not what I have done. If you ask someone who's in spirit faith about their situation... The first thing out of their mouth is not, well, I've done, well, I've been. What's the first thing out of their mouth? Well, the Word says. Well, Jesus has. We're looking at what Jesus did. Focus on what Jesus has done, not what I have done. The people who were healed and set free by Jesus, what was their focus on? When the woman with the issue of blood, we've covered her a couple of times in this. When she came, what was she focused on? Was she focused on, well, I've been, I've been good. I've been going to synagogue every week. Been reading scrolls. What did she do? When she heard about Jesus. When she heard about what other people had done. She focused on the ability that was in Jesus. She focused on what Jesus had already done. Well, so and so, they just touched him. Whole group of people came around. They all just touched, really? They just touched him? Oh, I bet I could do that. Because you go back to the Gospels, you find out there were stories of people who just touched Jesus. That's what she built her faith on. And she was ready to, to do that. Jarius, we talked about a lot about him. What he built his faith on. He heard people that came to Jesus and they came over to his house. All right, if I get Jesus to come over to my house, my daughter will live. Blind Bartimaeus, over there in the street, he's blind. When he heard that it was Jesus that was in town. Oh, he heard about Jesus before. Is he thinking about who Bartimaeus is? He's thinking about who? Jesus is. What has Jesus done in the past? What has Jesus done for other people? And in fact, he takes his, his cloak, his, uh, uh, cloak of being a blind person and he throws it. How are you going to get that back? I don't need it now. Jesus is here. I'm focusing on what Jesus has done. Who Jesus is. That's what his focus is. And he, he just goes out... Th- and does that. When the people lowered the, the lame guy down in, in there, are they focusing on 
the, the man? Are they focusing on themselves? Are they focusing on the people in the crowd? They're focusing on Jesus. What He's done. That's all they care about. They don't interview the man. Well, you know, have you been good this week? They didn't do any of that. They focused on that. You Story after story, you can go through the New Testament and see these things. As we said in your outline, the New Testament teaches over and over what Jesus has done, provided for. In the Gospels, constantly Paul is talking about what Jesus has done. That it's His righteousness that we've been declared. The work that He did for the forgiveness of sins. All this is based on what Jesus has done. That's spirit faith. We focus on what Jesus has done, not what I have done. It looks to receive instruction instead of defending itself. This is another huge difference. Spirit faith looks to receive instruction instead of defending itself. Flesh faith defends itself. Spirit faith, tell me what I'm doing. Whatever it is, tell me what I'm doing. What do I need to work on? What do I need to receive? What do I need to go? All right, I'll do that. Okay, I'll do that. Yep, 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 I'll do that. Okay, all right. We'll do that. And this is spirit faith. When Moses was rebuked by God for striking the, the rock the second time, what does Moses do? Yeah, but these people. No, he just, okay. Yep, that was wrong. If you were Moses, how many of you would say, but these people, I mean, you, they've gotten you mad before. You were, they've gotten you so mad, you're ready to kill them. I didn't kill them, I just struck a rock. I was thinking about it. But I didn't do, he didn't focus on all that. Just, yep, okay. Look at Peter in Luke chapter 5, verse 4. This is after he borrowed their boat for a speaking engagement. And he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. When Peter saw it, he fell down on Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. Now understand, this is a fisherman who was astonished at the catch. Usually fishermen kind of, you know, fish uh, fishtail, kind of embellish the story. These guys are astonished at the catch. They have only used one net when they had nets, but what they caught with the one net astonished them and filled up both boats so that they almost sank. That is something else. Now, look at what he says. Jesus says in verse 4, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Understand, Jesus is not a wordy person. Jesus is a man of few words. He says what is necessary. And He doesn't like to repeat Himself. Doesn't do it. But Simon answered and said to Him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. What are we doing? <laughs> are we not focused on what we've done? Are we not talking about what we've done? Nevertheless, ah, <laughs> at your word. Now, if he stayed in the flesh area, he wouldn't have received this instruction, would he? He said, that's ridiculous. This isn't even a good time of day to go fishing. And, and what are your qualifications? You're a carpenter? 
You're going to tell me how to fish? But somehow, he opened himself up and he received the instruction. We have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Now, how many times, folks, have we been in the... We didn't know it, but we were in a flesh faith area. And the Spirit of God spoke some things to us in the Word. Spoke some things to us in a tape that we heard. Spoke some things to us on a TV show that we were watching. Or just in our spirit. It came up. Reading the Word. However it was. It came up. And that came to us. You're doing this. You're, you're not... You're not doing the, you're, you're not over here. Work on this. Take care of this thing over here. And we have a choice. I either resist it or I accept it. If I resist it, what am I, what am I in? I'm in flesh faith. If I accept it, I can change something. You can't take the revelation that God spoke to John. Peter's got to take the revelation that God spoke to him. You've got to take the revelation that God speaks to you. God's going to tell you what it is. Remember, we'll go back to Martha again. Martha's in the house. Lazarus is out there sitting and you know, enjoying the teaching of Jesus along with all the friends that Jesus brought. And, and Mary's out there listening too. And Martha's in the kitchen. She's doing all the work to get, to get the meal prepared for all the people that are there. And she's sitting in there in the kitchen and she's, she's working. She's getting things ready and Mary's not with her. Mary's always with us. We always do this together. I know Lazarus, he's lazy. He's just out there, you know. But Mary should be here. And so when she comes out to Jesus, he's still out there teaching. Mary's sitting out there enjoying the teaching. She comes on out to Jesus and she said, Master, will you tell Mary to come on in here and give me a hand with the dishes? Get some things set up. Give me a hand with the oven. Stir in some of the mashed potatoes. Something. Will you tell her to give me? I mean, you all want to eat. What did Jesus say to her? Martha, Martha. <laughs> Man, I'll tell you what, if Jesus repeats something, it is not good. Especially when it's your name. <laughs> Martha, Martha. You just know the rest of it is not going to be help, not going to be good. It's going to be helpful, but it's not going to be good. <laughs> Here it comes. You are troubled about many things. But one thing is needful. If Jesus tells you that one thing is needed, one thing, don't you think you ought to focus on it? I don't know what Martha did. She may have gone back into the kitchen and worked on the mashed potatoes or something. I don't know. Jesus comes and tells you, Steve, Steve, one thing you lack, one thing you need to do. I have a choice. I can then go, but... Look at what I've been doing over here. And look at what I've been doing over here. And look at all this. And and look at what I've endured. Look at how well I've done these things. Steve, Steve. What's Jesus trying to do? Get us out of the flesh faith area and get us into the spirit faith area because in the spirit faith area it works. In the flesh faith area, not so much. We receive instruction when we're in the flesh, in the spirit faith, not in the flesh faith. Peter Sound like he's going to hang on to the flesh area. But he says, you know what? That's your word. We'll go ahead and do it. I don't think he had a whole lot of confidence. That's why he let down the one net instead of the, the nets. And we talked about that one net that he let down some time ago. We don't need to harp on that again. But how about over in Acts chapter 9? Paul is on his way over to uh, kill some more Christians. And on his way, bright light shows up. 
strikes him with blindness in the end. But then the word comes out. Remember what it said? Saul. Saul. Oh. <laughs> there it is again. I'm telling you, you don't ever want Jesus calling out your name twice. Once is okay. Twice, not good. It's just not good. Paul, or Saul, Saul. Why are you persecuting me? Why? If you were Saul or Paul, what would you have done? I have been very zealous for the sake of the of the Jewish religion. I have been killing these heretics from city to city, going around and taking these things because they're, they're doing stuff that shouldn't be done. But Paul doesn't do that. He gets this rebuke. Who, who are you that I'm persecuting? I am the Lord that you are persecuting. And we don't see any argument from him. He just, okay, all right. And that's how we ought to be. When God rebukes us, when God corrects us in a thing, just, yes, sir. Yeah, yep, okay. That's what we'll do. We've got to get into that military mindset. You know, that they put in people when they're over there in boot camp. When you have a drill sergeant in boot camp, does it matter that what he says makes sense? Does not matter that what he says makes sense? Does it matter that what he says is productive? Efficient? Does it matter that what he is asking you to do is unreasonable? uncomfortable. Doesn't matter at all, does it? If he says it, you do it. And you'll stay in boot camp until you get that mentality. If he says it, I'll do it. That's it. you got to get to that place where you receive instruction. Now see, don't beat it out of you. But the Word of God wants you to yield. He wants you to yield. Paul yielded. Well, third... Spirit faith looks at what Christ endured instead of my hard times. It looks at what Christ endured. And what did Jesus go through while he was down here? Flesh faith wants us to look at, oh, how hard you have it. Oh, look at all the people who want to kill you. Oh, look at all the people who want you dead. Oh, look at all the things you've suffered. Oh, look at all the things that you've gone through. Oh, look at how faithful you've been. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down on the right hand of the throne of God. For consider Him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You have not yet resisted the bloodshed, striving against sin. How does he know? Because you're still reading this. Right? (laughs) You're still reading. You're not dead. He died. You didn't. You're still here. And so is Paul. Paul, he, at one point, he lists out all the things that he, he endured. He said, that's ah, nothing. No big deal. Verse, uh, Romans 8, verse 18, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time, Paul writing, are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. 
But see, this is what flesh faith likes to get us to do. How hard it is. Oh, how hard it's been for us financially. Oh, how hard it's been in my body. Oh, how hard it's been with the people I work with. Oh, how much abuse I take. Oh, how much uh, the calling that God has on my life. Oh, it's so hard to keep on going. Oh, does, but he doesn't know what I'm doing over here. Oh, but how hard I work in this. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Anybody here gone through more than Paul? In fact, Jesus even made a note of it. I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. He's going he's gonna to taste it. He's going to find out. I don't think God said that about you or me. Maybe He has. But most of us have not gone through the things that Paul went through. And He's, he's the one writing this. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Every time that flesh faith wants you to get you to focus on what you have endured, focus on how good it's going to be. What's coming? Oh, but when we get to heaven, oh, it's going to be so good up there. This is nothing. Nothing. Spirit faith looks to God's greatness and unending supply instead of supposed limits and restrictions. It looks to God's greatness and unending supply. Flesh faith always imposes limits and restrictions. People that are in flesh faith, how many times they say, well, I don't know if God will heal this. I don't know if God will come through and, I mean, there's other people who need a job. I don't know that if, if God really cares about the depression I'm facing. I don't know if God really cares about the, the problems that I have in life. I don't know. I mean, I'm not a preacher. I'm not an evangelist. I'm not a prophet. Maybe he don't care. We're always... Flesh faith is always putting these limits on, on God. But don't do it. In Philippians 4 and verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord. Always, again I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. How often? Always. Most of the time? <laughs> always. As soon as we start focusing on what we have endured, we have stopped rejoicing. Rejoicing is giving glory to God. You fall in this other area, you're giving glory to your endurance, to yourself. Knock it off. It's not going to help you. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Rejoice. Just rejoice. Rejoice. I didn't write it. Someone else did. I'm just reading it. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. Does that mean later on today? Does that mean tomorrow morning? Yes. How about tomorrow night? Yes. How about around lunch tomorrow? Yes. Is there a time that is left out? No. Then how can we sit there and complain? <laughs> yeah, this isn't a favorite one, I know. Yeah, go on to something else. Talk about moving mountains again. <laughs> Philippians 4, verse 18. Indeed, I have all and abound. Really? I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your need according to His 
riches on earth. In glory. In glory. The place where they're making streets out of gold. Gates out of pearls. Foundations out of precious stones. Mansions for every resident. Not apartments. Not a high-rise apartment in the sky. Mansions. No, you have a mansion. You don't put it on a postage stamp. Probably got some land up there too. I don't know about you, but I'm thinking that when we get up there and the land that our mansion is on, I'm, this is just how I imagine it. It is a lawn that doesn't need watering, cutting, or weeding. <laughs> and it's always green. <clears throat> That's what I'm thinking. Glory to God. And the driveway, no matter how long it is, you never have to shovel it. No shoveling the driveway. No putting salt on the driveway. Nothing like that. Nope, nope, nope. Not going to happen. If it snows in heaven, it's in a place way far away. You go out there and you see it. And you come on back and enjoy your green grass and, and gold driveway. God supplies us according to His riches and glory, but folks, we put limitations on our God. All the time. Flesh, faith puts limitations on God. Well, I don't know if God can come through on this because I only make so much money. <laughs> oh, man. Trust our God. Now, here's some words to watch for. I told you last week we have some words for you to watch for. These are words you need to be careful of. If you hear these words, you should be able to identify where you are. Now, you notice the dot, dot, dot. That means anything can follow these words. Anything can follow these words. Don't matter what follows these words. Here's the kicker. I have been. Verse 1. I have been what? I have been zealous. I have been faithful. Just look at Elijah. I have been very zealous for the Lord. <laughs> I have been. Because I have been this way, I shouldn't be dealing with this. This should just not happen. Because I have been, right? Number two. It should have. It should have. Gone away by now. It should have stopped. It should should have not been happening anymore. It should have been over. Right? Why should it have been? Because it should have. Because I've been... And I have. <laughs> Number three. Why didn't God? Why didn't God answer that prayer? Why didn't God come through? Why didn't God do this? Why didn't God? That, those words right there, why didn't God assumes failure. Assumes it's not working. You cannot say, why didn't God, and be assuming it's going to be successful. Well, I don't know why God didn't do that. I thought God could have come through on that a little bit better. Number four. I deserve that to happen. I just, I just put it in, I deserve. I deserve God to come through. I deserve God to answer this prayer. I deserve. If you say I deserve, what are you basing it on? What? I have done. Can you say I deserve without saying I what I have done? These are just, you can keep on going. You can keep on making your list even longer than this. You can just keep on going and start thinking, oh, that's a, 
That's a flesh word right there. That's a, a flesh combination. I don't want to be doing that. Mm-mm. Now, just going out there and begin to think some of the faith, faith things. Go back over to Israel and the, and the ten spies. The, to the two spies who came on that were against the ten spies. Our God is well able. <laughs> you don't hear that in flesh faith, do you? Flesh faith people don't say, our God is well able. They're saying, why didn't God? Philippians 4, back over there again, verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true. Whatever things are true. Whatever things are true. When we get to the point with what the Word of God declares is just as much truth to us as what we see, we're getting closer. We've got to get to that place. If God's Word declares it, I see it as true. Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Now, I read this verse for you for this reason. If you get into the area of flesh faith, what is your meditation? What I have done. Why I don't deserve this. Why this shouldn't be happening. Why God has come up short. Why God is not doing. Well, He should have been, but He isn't. Are these things that line up with Philippians 4.8? But these are the things we're supposed to be focusing on. Meditate on these things. Even if you are in spirit faith, the enemy wants to try and sow seeds into you to get you to meditate on the wrong things so that you begin to focus on what I have done instead of what he has done and what he has accomplished. You, you don't, let it, don't let that happen. Don't fall into that. Don't allow those kind of things to, to go on inside you. Don't focus on these, these thoughts. Not, it's not what I have done. Don't get, don't get out there and focus on that. Don't focus on how you've done it Correctly. But I did it right. I know I did it right. And God says, you didn't do it right. I did do it. I did it right. Don't tell me I didn't do it. I did it right. I listened to the tape. I read it in the Bible. I did it just like it was said. Don't tell me I didn't do it right. I did it right. Would you say that person's resistant? Have we not sometimes said those things ourselves? Now see, God doesn't like to repeat himself. If he's going to come over there and start telling us, you're, you're not in faith yet. You're not in the spirit faith. You're in flesh faith. I am. No. No, I'm not. What is God going to do? He just backs up. God does not. He does not like to repeat himself. If you're wanting to hear, he'll talk to you. If you don't want to, he's just as fine to, to shut up. You know what? He's still okay. He'd like you to be okay too, but he's still okay. He wants to get you into a place where you're okay. But we don't. We keep getting it. Don't focus on, on that kind of stuff. Don't get into, into those areas. Don't look at how much you've endured. That's another focus and it's another meditation. Oh, but I, it's been so hard and it's been so hard for so long. We get to thinking about what we've endured and what we've put up with. Don't be doing that. Don't focus on how God's come up short. Focus on what Philippians 4.8 says to do. Focus on that. Meditate on that. If you start having meditation on something, pull this out. 
and look at it. Hmm. How am I doing with Philippians 4.8? Because if you don't stay with this, your meditations will take you from a spirit faith into a flesh faith. And you probably won't even realize the difference. Because you're still believing for something to happen. But you've gotten into the flesh. God doesn't like flesh faith. He likes spirit faith. First off, Mark 11, 22 and 23. Have the faith of God. Have the God kind of faith. Or literally, have God's faith. God's faith is spirit faith. It's not flesh faith. God doesn't sit up there having pity parties, talking about how much He's done. Get over there in that spirit faith area. How many of all situations that you can say you have let it you get into a flesh faith area? Nobody. Okay. Maybe some of you will listen on the internet and tell me. We get into this flesh faith area, folks. Drags us down. You get into a place where you can't receive instruction anymore. The Word of God can't be spoken to you anymore. You can't be corrected. You're doing it right. You gotta get out of that. You should welcome the opportunity for God to, to say, you're not doing this right. Really? Then you'll tell me how? <laughs> you'll tell me what? Tell me. What is it? What is it? Tell me. Tell me. We've got to have that puppy dog look about stuff. You know, our, our little dog, Tucker, no matter what it is that you make, no matter what it is, even if it's something he doesn't like but doesn't know it yet, if you go into the kitchen and you prepare it, he's just sure he's going to like it. Sure as anything. And he will come on down and he, he will just look at you. Just look. Please. You can just see in his eyes. And I mean, you go on the plate, you could be having meat and potatoes and corn. And he's just as happy if you give him a little piece of corn as if you give him some of the meat. He's just as happy. He's just thrilled. He doesn't sit there and say, you had better stuff on that plate. I like that one over there. Hey, something, please. And if you don't give him anything at all, and you go in and you get something else, he's going to come back and he's just as excited. And if you still don't give him anything, and you go in and you get something else, and you come on back, he gets up, to, he's just as excited. He never wanes. He is always just as excited at every plate that is prepared in our house, and it doesn't matter if he already ate. <laughs> Makes no difference. He is ready. Whatever you have, I, whatever it is, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'll take it. And I've teased him about this before, but you know, he doesn't like lettuce, and if you give him a piece of lettuce, you know it's lettuce, he, he will take the lettuce gladly, lick it clean, and spit it out. And then you can go and you can take the lettuce off the floor and give it to him again and he will take it gladly and then spit it out. And you can pick it up another time and he will look at that with great anticipation and he will take it a third time and chew it up, look it off and spit it out and then anxiously wait for whatever else you might give him. We need to have that kind of attitude when it comes to the things from God. God, I am ready for what you have to give me. You're not going to get an argument. Just like Peter, at your word, we will let down the net. There's no reason for us to do it, but at your word, we would do it. I have no reason other than your word 
to believe that I need to change. But at your word, I will change. And I will do this the way you said. Spirit faith, flesh faith. It's real easy to tell whether you're in one or the other. It's not hard. Listen to your words. Your words will give you away. Every single time. Look at your words. If you're good at covering up your words, listen to your thoughts. If your thoughts go on and you start to defend yourself and you start to talk about all that you've done and all that you've endured, you don't have to wonder. You're in flesh faith. But Mark 11.22 starts out with have the faith of God. We've got to have His kind of faith. Would you all stand up with me? Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You that it is life for us that you will speak things to help us. You will speak things to correct us. We thank you for the admonition we receive from you. For every admonition we receive from you is good. It is all good. We may not want to hear it. We may not like to hear it. But we know that in the end, it's going to help us out. If you can point us in a direction and say, Oh, let down the nets on this side of the boat. And we listen. Oh, what a, what a harvest we have coming in. If we just listen to the things that you say. Too often we want you to listen to us. When we be like the Elijahs who come out of the cave. I have been very zealous. Not too often are we the Pauls that are met on the road and just listen to the rebuke that we get from the Lord. Father, we want to get our faith in that area of spirit faith. Because then we can believe anything. Even if we say that this mountain be removed and be cast into the sea, do not doubt in our heart, but believe that those things that we say shall come to pass. We shall have whatever we say.